This morning, we're going to be looking at uh, the character of Joseph. Now, I'm not talking about the Joseph the character, but his character. And uh, several months ago now, it's, uh, I started in a new study Bible. For, that, for me, that means a Bible that I can write in and take notes in. And uh, one of the early outlines that I put in that was through the life of Joseph. And so we're going to look at his character today. And some of you might say, well, that's easy. That's an easy task when you think of Joseph in, uh, in Potiphar's house, Joseph in the prison, Joseph in, in the administration of the Pharaoh of Egypt. And uh, yeah, great impeccable character. And that's actually where we're going to end up. But do you remember the young Joseph? Now, I say young Joseph. Um, chapter 37 of Genesis uh, says that's age 17. Uh, now, that seems young to us, but in his day, that would have been adulthood, young adulthood. Um, and when we think back to our, our Sunday school story days, we think about young Joseph being favored by his father. And we, we remember the story of the coat of many colors. And, and I, I tried to find a graphic for the coat of many colors. And they were all kind of cartoonish. And so I, I didn't put one of those on a slide today. But we think of, of the coat of many colors that he received from his daddy. Now, uh, we say it that way because uh, his brothers probably said, yeah, he got that from daddy, you know. Uh, he, they weren't too happy about it. Um, he showed it off to his older brothers, or we like to think that he did, but Scripture doesn't actually say that he showed it off to his brothers. They were jealous of him nonetheless. We also remember young Joseph as the one who had visions and, and dreams. And we, we think of the story of, of the, the first one, which is pictured here of the 11 sheaves of wheat bowing down to the one sheaf, which stood up tall. And that one that stood up tall was Joseph, and the rest were his brothers. They didn't like that too much. But after the second vision, the one of the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowing down to Joseph, even his father wasn't too happy about that because the, the 11 stars were, of course, his 11 brothers. And who would the sun and the moon be but his mother and his father? And why would he bow down to Joseph? In the margin of my last study Bible, I wrote next to the story of young Joseph these words, tattletale, favoritism, disunity, hatred, and pride. There was enough dysfunction to go around to all of them in this family of 12 boys. But when you pause to think of your early life, and I think of young Carl, not a pastor back then, just a pastor's kid. I wouldn't want to you. I wouldn't want you to know my character in those days, as a teenager, as a seventeen-year-old. Uh, I would hide from you the story of, of my younger brother, not Mark, the one that's just younger than me, Stephen. Uh, and uh, he hurt his leg when we were playing football at the school, and I thought, uh, how how much can it hurt? And so I went home. He got home and was immediately taken to the Dalles, and for the next five or six months, he had a cast from his heel to his hip. 
I could hide from you stories about young Carl's stubbornness, especially in the face of, of discipline and chastisement. We would all hide those kinds of stories, stories that might paint us as petty or prideful or petulant. But I have to ask, and biblical scholars ask this question, was Joseph really a tattletale or just responsible in carrying out his duties? Was he prideful in telling his family his dreams or just honest about what God had showed him in those dreams? I suggest that in young Joseph we see the telltale marks of an uncommonly good character. Not only had he trusted in God's direction, the direction that God had given through him through his dreams, but he was a willing servant. In Genesis uh, 27, we read, 37, we read verse 13, And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I'll send you to them. And Joseph said to him, Here I am. Now, he knew that he was going to suffer a little bit at his brothers, and he didn't know how much, but that's the way they had been. But he was willing to go and do what his father asked of him. And he was persistently obedient. Genesis 3, 7, 16. I am seeking my brothers. He says this to a man along the way in Shechem. And the man said, they've gone away, for I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. Just a little extra here. Abraham, Jacob, Samuel, and Isaiah all had here I am moments. So I would classify the character of young Joseph right there with them. In all of that, Joseph had reason to fear, but instead he trusted and obeyed. Now I say all that about young Joseph to plant the seed in our minds this morning that God is the source of all godly character. It comes from Him. God is the source of all godly character. It's God's plan that we be holy, Ephesians 1.4. It's God's desire that we be holy, 1 Peter 1.15. And it's God's grace that allows us to shed human sinfulness and selfishness and put on godliness, 2 Corinthians 1.12. Now, I'm not going to look at those verses and read them. We have too much here to look at in the story of Joseph today. Like Joseph, we can, we should, we must exhibit godly character. So we're going to take a look at Joseph in Potiphar's house. And if you turn with me to Genesis 39, where I'm going to read the whole chapter. Genesis 39, we'll begin with verse 1. Uh, after his brothers threatened to kill him, they sold him, he sold him into slavery, and now we find him a slave in Egypt. Genesis 39.1. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him from the bought him from the Ishmaelites who had bought, brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From that time he made him overseer in his house and over all 
that he had. And the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and in field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Let uh, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he's put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in the house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you. Because of you are his wife. How then can I... How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her and lie, and lie beside her or be with her. But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand, and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, she has brought, he has brought, she, and it's interesting, she blames her husband Potiphar here. Um, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I'd lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid, the, uh, laid up his garment by her until his, her master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought among us came in to me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice uh, and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. And as soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, This is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge, because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it to succeed. I'm going to jump right in here this morning with the exposition of the story. Underlying everything I'm going to point out is the simple fact that God is the source of all good and even godly character in our lives. First of all, we see in this passage that God's presence is best seen in our persistence. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. He was in the house of the Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed. We further see his persistence when in this situation with the master's wife, and he persisted in doing what was right and holy and pure, not what she tried to tempt him to do. And wasn't this true of other biblical characters? Think of Daniel tempted to pray to, to the king, even though he knew that to refuse to pray to the king would put him in the lion's den as punishment. And there were many other instances of persistent obedience to God by Daniel. 
Even evil King Nebuchadnezzar said of Daniel in Daniel 4, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and that no mystery is too difficult for you. This is also true of David, for the most part at least. David, whose heart God could look upon, he told his son Solomon, yes, build the temple, but first devote your heart and soul to seeking the Lord your God. And of course, this was true of Paul, who wrote in Romans 1.9, God whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness how constantly I remember you. And they witnessed his persistence to finally get to them as a prisoner, live among them, preach to them, and demonstrate godliness. Here in the life of young Joseph, maybe now about 18 years old, Potiphar saw the success of Joseph's work. And he saw all of it was a result of the presence of God with him. Potiphar was blessed because Joseph was blessed. How many times have we seen that down through history? Maybe you've seen it in your own life, how, how God has blessed the person that you work for because you've been persistent in following after God. Joseph attended Potiphar in verse 4. Joseph oversaw his house in verse 4 and his business in verse 5 and his other slaves and left everything in Joseph's charge in verse 6. Now, it doesn't say it here, but we know, that, know from working with people that this meant that Joseph was persistent in his work as well because God was present in his life. Now, Paul understood this principle and passed it on to the believers in Ephesus through Timothy and writes, Let all who are under a yoke of slaves regard their own masters as worthy of all honor so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. In other words, work like I am present. Work as if you're working for me. Work as if this is your service to mankind. When God is present in us, our life should be changed, even our work life, and will persist in doing good even when tempted to do evil. This is the predicament. And, and as I was writing this sermon um, and looking at it again this week, there's far too many words that begin with P in this sermon. And, and so I may, I may mix some of them up. But he had a predicament. He was young, Joseph, at this time. The same God who was present in his dreams, the same God, Almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, was present in his service to Potiphar. The same God was present when Potiphar's wife tempted him. And he, Joseph, persisted in doing what was right and good. Down through the history of the church, beginning in the New Testament, but right up to this morning even, we have been blessed with so many examples of those who persisted in doing good. One is happening right now in Ukraine. And I hope you'll bear with me as I read a rather long story um, about a Baptist pastor in Kiev uh, and the decision he had to make. He writes, and this was written, just before the Russians attacked. So we're talking about 45, 50 days, whatever it's been. And he writes, In recent weeks, nearly all the missionaries have been told to leave Ukraine. And you, you may know some missionaries. We know some missionaries who, who left Ukraine. Nearly all the missionaries have been told to leave. Western nations evacuated their embassies and citizens. Traffic in the capital of Kiev is disappearing. 
Where did the people go? Should we do the same? My wife and I decided to remain in our city near Kiev. We went to serve the people here along with the urban, I don't know if that's pronounced right, um, urban Bible church. In anticipation of the coming disaster, we've bought a supply of food, medicine, and fuel so that if necessary, we'll be able to help those who are in need. The social media is recommending that we pack an emergency suitcase. So I told my children, pack your, ba your backpacks, pack enough for three days. Our younger children, six and eight years old, have been asking, Dad, where are we going? At first, I didn't know how, what to answer. I told them, we're not going anywhere. We believe the church is a place of spiritual struggle. As strenuous as, as tensions have risen, our church announced a week of fasting and prayer, gathering every night to bring our request to God. At the end of the week, those moments produced in us inner strength to persevere. I would say to be persistent. We believe God is with us, and that is the most important thing. That's a rather long story, but... It sure paints a picture of God's presence allowing us to be persistent in doing the work and the, the service and the, the ministry that he's called us to do. I don't know what happened to this pastor. I don't know if their church was leveled with, like so many buildings in the Ukraine have been leveled. But I believe these 50 days or so later, he's, he and his wife and his children are still serving the people of God in Ukraine because they persisted. They're not trusting in themselves. They're trusting in God. They're not obeying even those reporters who say you need to leave. They're obeying God. But what about us, you and me? Do we trust? Do we persist? We will if we truly believe that God is with us, that He's present. But let's take a step backwards in this, not in the story so much, but, but in God's dealing with Joseph. God's power precedes our responsibility. You see this in verse 3 and verse 5. We live in a day of powerful people doing amazing things. The NFL combines gather successful college foot play, football players and they show their great and even powerful abilities so the professional scouts get out their tape measures and check how far they jump, their timers to see how fast they run, and all of this. Various social media platforms showcase our amazing talents and elevate many individuals to influencer status. Boy, that's, that means you're getting rich along with everything else. TV talk shows display the rich and famous, the gifted and talented, the trendy and fashionable, and that's the highest point. Not powerful, but trendy and fashionable. And most people see the power in those presentations and glorify humanity and greatness is personified. And these power people make a successful living by writing a book or selling a product or they start a new trend. Again, the highest point is starting a new trend. We live in a day of humanity's deification. And we become our own gods. Not so with Joseph. Those around Joseph saw God's power, not Joseph's. And understanding, um, the understanding ought to humble us, right? 
that what, everything we do is because of God. Here it says, verse 3, the Lord caused. Verse 5 says, the Lord blessed. Verse 21, the Lord gave him favor. Verse 23, the Lord made it succeed. If Joseph ever had a problem with pride when he was young, 17, he didn't have a problem with pride when he was older, 18. Isn't that interesting? The just one year difference. Joseph knew and spoke of and those around him knew that his success was actually because of God's power. And I'm reminded of Paul writing in 2 Corinthians 12 about his thorn in the flesh. And he writes to the Corinthians, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that, he should, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in my weakness. For the person with godly character, it's not only the proper thing to say, that's the only thing to say when things are going well. Whether weak or strong, whether poor or rich, untrained or trained, uneducated or educated, all that we are, all that we do, all that we become is all because of God's power. God's power working through earthen vessels. That's us. Why did Paul use that phrase? If you, if you have a King James with you today, you can turn to that. It's 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But it says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why? To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It's His power. And we do don't, don't have to claim that God's power helped us. We don't have to say His power blessed us or made us successful. Others see it. Others see it. Not ours when our, our power, when our plans all succeed. You see that in our politicians today? When their plans work out, well, it's because God's working a miracle amongst us, right? You don't, you don't hear that. Others recognize God's wisdom, not ours. You hear that from your doctor when he makes a correct or even a miraculous, seemingly miraculous diagnosis. Here in Genesis 39, it is men of power and authority, the Potiphar, captain of the guard, the keeper of the prison, that see the power of God in Joseph's service. What do others see in your successes? What do others see in your simple service? It's God's presence and God's power so far in Joseph's life. What else does God lend to Joseph's life? We see that God's provision prompts our service to others. Verse 4 through 6 here in verse 22 we could could say Joseph landed in a pretty cushy place, considering. <laughs> sold into slavery, sold to the Ishmaelites, and they, they then sold him to the Egyptians. He could have just been out in the field working, uh, working the, the fields for the Egyptians. But no, Potiphar, an officer, a captain of the guard, bought him. Potiphar was like the chief of the secret service guarding our president today. That's his position. He's a captain of the guard. <clears throat> Verse 4 through 6 portrays Joseph as a quick study, as a favorite of Potiphar, and as a source of blessing to Potiphar. Even in prison, verse 22, we find Joseph given a place 
of authority and therefore a place of privilege, in a sense, a bit of ease. Brings us back to the old conundrum of which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Does God bless us first and therefore expect us to serve others? Or does our service prompt God to provide gifts and abilities and resources so that we can serve? Now, we might be tempted to just answer yes. We, we truly see both happening here with Joseph. Uh, let's appeal again to an example from David, another young leader. If we were to pick up the story of Samuel anointing David, we would say that God's provision comes first. Samuel already turned down uh, strapping capable brothers, Eliab and Abinadab and Shammoth and three others that we don't see the names of. Then he calls for the youngest to come because God had said, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. But we find later that David is already, while while serving as a shepherd, he had killed a bear and he'd killed a lion. Maybe he'd already proven himself to God, and that's why God provided power and wisdom. No, to King Saul, David says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. He's talking about Goliath. God's provision comes first. We could talk about unusual talents. People like um, Lydia, the seller of purple, who was a great business person in her time. Or we could talk about um, the great commanding speech of Apollos in Acts 18. Or the wonderful miracles of Peter in Acts 4 and 5. But all these follow up a pattern of giftedness and gifting in Scripture. James 1, 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or, or shadow due to change. 1 Peter 4, 10, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. So what then is required of us? Faith to believe, in Jehovah Jireh, the God, the God who provides, that's what it means, and then become persistent and responsible and obedient and be a servant to all. And that's the story of Joseph's godly character, except for we've looked at man, how man sees it. What about how God sees it? God's perception is of more value than man's. We see this in verse 6 through 9. God's perception is of more value, always of more value. Every time we need to know what God sees, not what we see. When fishing, I sometimes have been outfished by a much superior fisherman, the majestic osprey. It's humiliating to be... Be rowing slowly around the lake for hours, not catching a thing, looking for fish, looking for fish to rise, nothing's rising, using Polaroid glasses to look down and, and see into the water as best you can. You don't see any fish. And I hear a big splash, and I turn around, and here's a, an osprey taking off with a fish hanging from its talons. And I renew my vigil, looking for more fish, 
cannot see any. And another big splash and another osprey, maybe the same one, rises from the water, fish dangling. I console myself by saying, he's seeing the lake from a much better perspective than I am, with much better eyes than I have. Her, his perception is best, always. God sees what man cannot see. Here, Potiphar's perception wavers. He first saw uh, Joseph as his success, as, as his great benefit. And then all of a sudden, his wife makes these accusations, and, and Potiphar believes her. Until Potiphar's wife steps up, he then puts him in prison. Joseph even says to Zelika, and that's what some medieval comments, Jewish commentaries give her name as. We aren't given that in Scripture. But he says to her, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He's getting God's perspective on what's taking place here in this temptation. Joseph chose God's perception over hers, over Potiphar's, and later over the keeper of the prison. The God of, of David said to Samuel, I look on the heart. That's what matters. Not just that's what matters most, but that's only what matters. What I see in the heart. Whose perception do you live for? Are you, by God's grace, persistent because God is present with you? Are you responsible because God's power is available to you? Are you faithful in service to others because, God's, because of God's provision of every resource? Those are the marks of godly character. And there waits for you from heaven if you have that exhibit of godly character, the well done thou faithful servant that the New Testament talks about. Godly character is available to every one of us because God is faithful. Possibly you're in agreement with me and you see this truth in the story of Joseph, but you're still asking, but what about me? Where, where can I go from here? How can I exhibit that godly character? I've mentioned throughout this message, not in the points at all, but throughout the message, under every point, trust and obey. That's all God asks of us. He's the source. He's even the source of our trust. He's even the source of our obedience. That's all He asks of us, that we acknowledge Him as the one who gives us godly character. Let's bow for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, there may be someone here, here in the pews or online, who's really struggling with, with some situation. Maybe it's a temptation, as Joseph went through, or maybe it's, maybe it's struggling with the successes that have come. Someone who's saying, I, I, I need to come out of this with godly character exhibiting the source of all good and all help and 
all victory. Lord, may they take a moment today, maybe right now where they are, maybe maybe right in the pews as, as uh, we conclude the service. Or maybe take some time this afternoon and set it aside just simply to seek you and trust in what you show them and obey what you ask them to do. Help us, Lord, to be the examples, the shining examples of godly character that Joseph was. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.